Thank you for listening to Quest Church San Diego. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us online at questsd.com. Again, that's questsd.com. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus, please email us at info at questsd.com. Thank you for listening. Continuing our study through the book of 1 Corinthians, and today officially is Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday before Easter where we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And he rode on a donkey, and many of the people in the town laid down palm branches and their robes in recognition of Jesus as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And there are many wonderful scriptures, but I just love how God does it. As we're going through the books of the Bible and reading chapter and verse, we find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which Paul gives a very detailed teaching on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this year is a little different. We're actually looking at the end of the story and working our way backwards. We're looking at the power of the resurrection within the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, and the implications of the resurrection for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so uh, today we are focusing in on the resurrection and looking at this theme or this point through this chapter that the resurrection defeats the corruption of death. Paul here famously says in this chapter that death is swallowed up in victory because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, we now have victory over death, which is, which is the last en- enemy of humanity. And we're going to see this power of the resurrection defeat death in a couple of ways. You can jot these down. We'll have some of this up on the screen. But just take notes as the Lord speaks to you. We're going to see the proclamation of this gospel of the resurrection. Paul is going to circle back all the way to the gospel after he has spent many chapters dealing with the issues and the struggles that were a part of the church in Corinth. And so there was division, there was influence of the world, there was compromise with immorality, and Paul has offered doctrine and teaching, but he's going to focus the uh, Christians in Corinth back on the centrality and the priority of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So oftentimes we think the gospel is for unsaved people, but the gospel is preached a lot to save people. It reminds us of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And secondly, we're going to see the proposition of the new glory that we have because of the resurrection, the glorified bodies. Paul says that there's terrestrial bodies, which is of the flesh. The Bible says Ashes to ashes and dust to dust, we shall return. But there's also celestial bodies. It's the resurrection body of Jesus Christ that we will all be resurrected as well. Uh, And then lastly, we're going to see the promotion, the promotion from the grave that we can have because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So there's a lot to get to. We probably won't read every single word in this chapter. I do encourage you to read it on your own this week, but we'll highlight and make mention of the key points as Paul continues in Verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which you stand. Everyone say gospel. 
gospel. There's some key words in the Bible as you read through it that we should understand. I actually saw a, um, a statistic recently, one, a, another word that people asked church people and Christians, what was the Great Commission? Can you explain the Great Commission? And I think there was a lot of, a lot of Christians who didn't even understand what the Great Commission was, and that was where uh, Jesus empowered the church to go and make disciples to preach the gospel and to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And oftentimes we read words like this, the gospel, and uh, we might re- you know, read right past them, but the power of the gospel, the good news, basically the definition of the gospel is the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you're going to have good news, you also have to have some bad news. And the bad news is that the Bible clearly says and teaches that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages or the penalty of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And whosoever means anybody and everybody. The gospel is open to all people, but it is exclusive in how you uh, go through it. In fact, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the door. And there is a broad road that leads to destruction. And many go down, as Jesus said. And I would suggest that those, that broad road is a lot of self-righteousness and things that we do in our own good works or maybe other world religions that are attempting to please God or to reach God through our own works. But biblical Christianity is something completely different. It's not man reaching up to God. It's God reaching down to man through giving of his son, Jesus Christ. And so when we place our faith and trust in him, this is the gospel, the good news, that now we have been given the grace of God, the mercy of God. And that was extended to us on the cross of Jesus Christ. And so our sins are forgiven We are reconciled back in a right relationship with God. This is good news. And this is the gospel. See, look at We're in verse 1. And already we just, whew, time goes. So great. The gospel that he preached uh, and that you received, this good news by which, verse 2, you also are saved. This gospel is a gospel of salvation, forgiveness of sin. Jesus said, The Son of Man, speaking of himself, relating with our weaknesses. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Salvation here means to rescue or to redeem, to purchase and to buy back, to deliver. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Now, if you want to understand the three tenets the three core essentials of the gospel, you read verse 3 and 4. That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Notice in those two verses, Paul says according to the scriptures two times. And that is because salvation was always the, the, the major plot line of the Bible. Jesus was dispatched on a rescue mission, and that was prophesied in the Old Testament. However, when Jesus came as a suffering servant, as the Messiah and the Christ, but was put up on a cross to be cursed for all of humanity, the religions of the world said, that can't be. This is foolishness. But Paul already preached in his letters that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but is the power of God unto salvation 
to those who believe. And this salvation is being preached that Christ died. Have you ever played the game Jenga? Yeah, you probably have. You stack all those little blocks together, and then one by one, each person tries to remove those blocks and, you know, making sure that that tower doesn't tumble. Well, if you remove any one of these puzzle pieces of the gospel, then this salvation work of God will collapse. If you remove the resurrection from the gospel, then all of this will collapse. And Paul is saying that these are important essentials. This isn't like non-essential stuff. Oh, as Paul was talking about in previous chapters, well, there's grace and don't cause anyone to stumble and, you know, uh, do your best. No, this is core, essential to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ, that Christ died for our sins. Do you see that? For you. He died for you. The love that was demonstrated on the cross was a love demonstrated to you and to I. Is that even a word? (laughs) That was a weird way to say it. To me. (laughs) Like thinking in third person there. To me. Make it personal for you. Jesus Christ died for me according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And then Paul offers proof that he was seen by Cephas, that is Peter, then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some have fallen asleep. Now, that's not meaning they took a nap on Sunday afternoon because they had a big meal. No. When you see the word fallen asleep in the scriptures, it means they've passed away. They've died. And verse 7 says, And after that, he was seen by James and then all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. We have a little glimpse of Paul's story and his, and his testimony. He would often talk about his testimony when he had opportunities to share because there was such a great drastic change that took place in his life when he met Jesus. I'm the least of the apostles because I persecuted the church, verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. So there you go. There's Popeye right there. He's right in the scriptures. I am what I am. Now, some people say, I am what I am. I can't change. No, Paul is saying, I am what I am because I changed. I was changed dramatically by the power of the gospel and the grace of God. Do you realize that your past mistakes are not what define you today if you are a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The past is not what defines you. Your failures are not what define you. It's what Jesus Christ has done for you. He's already accomplished on the cross. You are what you are today in Christ Jesus, clothed with his righteousness, with the power of the resurrection, filled with the Holy Spirit. You no longer have to go and live the way that you used to live. Paul has already talked about that and given us wonderful teaching in 1 Corinthians about that. Don't go back living in that lifestyle. You are what you are because of what Jesus has said you are. And Paul is saying, I'm not going to focus on the past. Sure, I made mistakes. I persecuted the church. I put Christians in prison. I did all these bad, bad things. But I am what I am today, not because of what I've done in the past, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for me in the present. Because of the grace of God. If you and I could just stand in the grace of God. We were praying earlier this morning as a team for all of you who were on your way to church, that you would make it to church because I know there's a big battle just even to make it to church. 
But we were talking about how we all need super soakers of God's grace just to pump it up in our lives and just spray one another. I wish I had one. It'd be really great. I should talk to the youth group. I'm sure they have a couple of them stuffed away somewhere. But just to be pumped up with the grace of God in our lives and then just to soak out. We were just praying that God's grace would just soak our hearts. We would absorb his love today because you are loved. You're loved dearly and his mercy is due for you. And he's proven that on the cross for you. He's proven that on the cross for you. He loves you so much. And Paul offers this wonderful proof. He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And his grace toward me, picking up in verse 10, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Notice, after the change, Paul worked more diligently uh, for the Lord. But I labored more diligently, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so we believe. So much to dig in here, but let me just make mention of a few things. In these opening verses, Paul uh, provides for us this teaching on the resurrection. And the resurrection is the proclamation of the gospel. Notice the priority of the prominence that Paul places on the gospel as the foundation for all that we believe. In fact, Paul is going to go on in the next section to say, if the gospel is not true, then we are hopeless. We are lost in our sin. And so it's important for Paul to establish the validity and the proof of the gospel so that we have hope not only in this life, but in the life to come. Paul says to hold on to this hope, to hold on to this gospel, that the resurrection is the core, the gospel of salvation. You can't remove any piece of the puzzle or else this salvation collapses. And Paul says this is the message that we preach, that the gospel includes, if you want to understand and know what this good news gospel is, Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus' burial, and Jesus' resurrection. Those are the core essentials of this gospel. And Paul offers proof. And he says that many of his disciples seen the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the various appearances of the risen Christ prove the resurrection. And how do they prove that? Well, if this was fake news, if this was something that was made up to continue on the good teachings of a good rabbi in Jewish culture, then at any first sign of persecution and trouble and hardship, the disciples would have been the first to recant their story and their message. In fact, all of those who had seen Jesus' resurrection would go on to be beaten, would be persecuted, would be thrown in prison, would be uh, killed at the stake, would be burned at the stake, would even be crucified. And so their life story and the veracity of the truth of what they had witnessed and seen is proven in the fact that they have continued that message even to this day. Jesus' resurrection is proof as he was seen by many. And this is important because Paul goes on to say, if you deny the resurrection, there are consequences. Look at verse 12. He says, now if Christ is preached that he is Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. You follow Paul's logic here. And if the preaching of the gospel is empty, then your faith is also empty. 
Yes, and we are found to be false witnesses of God, because we have testified that God had raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not raise. For if the dead do not raise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins, exclamation point. Here is the point of denying the truth of the resurrection. We see that the Easter story, if the resurrection is not true, is pointless because the tomb is not empty, it's full. And the message of the resurrection is fake news. It's false, it's fabricated, it's made up. It's, a, it's an attempt by man to deceive. Easter and the celebration of Easter and the celebration of the empty tomb, Paul says, would be pointless. And if Easter is pointless, then that also tells us that the gospel of salvation for all who believe is useless. There's no power to it. Paul says it's empty and it's weak. And I love that because in the proclamation of the gospel, there is power to save lives. There's no power in my words. There's no power in a special three-point sermon. Sure, it helps us understand and outline a chapter of the Bible, but there's no power in what I say. There's power in what God says. And as you hear the gospel and mingle that with faith and trust and hope in the truth of what God has said to you and has modeled that and declared that and and you you bear witness to that in your life, then there is radical change through the quickening of the Holy Spirit. There is power as the gospel goes out. And as it falls upon your heart and my heart, I pray that we would be like what Jesus said in his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount that we would have hearts that are open to receive receive and open to hear. The gospel would be pointless. There would be no power. It would be weak and empty. So if Easter is pointless, gospel is useless, then what does that say about us? Then we are, can you fill in the blank? Anybody? (laughs) Because I love alliteration. (laughs) And things that rhyme, we're hopeless, right? We're hopeless. Easter would be pointless, gospel is useless and we are hopeless why are we hopeless because paul says we are lost in our sin we are to be pitied among all other people if the resurrection if the resurrection is pulled out of the jenga piece and everything falls and collapses no it stands firm that's why paul said hold fast to this truth and hold fast to the resurrection because Not only is the resurrection true and it is proven by his disciples, that tells us that Easter has wonderful power. It is meaningful and significant and important. It is truth and the gospel can change people's lives that is proclaimed. In fact, Paul would say uh, in Romans, how are people going to hear unless the gospel is preached? And when people hear the gospel and the preaching of the gospel and the declaration of the gospel, then that's how lives are radically changed. It's the encounter of sinful humanity with a loving God through the person of Jesus Christ. X marks the spot on the hill of Golgotha. And there forever, from that point forward, in prophecy fulfillment of previous generations is the point of Scripture. I've told you this, we've looked at this many times before, that the point of Scripture is the person of Jesus Christ. But it is pointless to be able to find Jesus in the Scriptures, but not find Jesus in your life today. And Paul is saying, I am what I am because of the grace of God. And you can have a life that is marked by the person of Jesus Christ Christ. 
as you surrender to him and hold on fast to this resurrection. This proposition is so important because we are told that the last enemy of our lives is defeated. Look at verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, that is, Adam, the first created human being in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one is in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God and the Father. Excuse me, the kingdom of God the Father. When he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Here's the proposition. If the resurrection is true, we have a hope of a new glory and a new body. He goes on to talk about these bodies in verses 35 on down into verse 49. He says that there are two different types of bodies. The terrestrial body, which is made up of bones and flesh. But he goes on to say, Paul says, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. There's also a celestial body. And that new body is the body of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he offers a couple of illustrations for us to understand this concept. First is in Adam. And the second is in a seed. And uh, we see in Adam, uh, the scripture says that through one man's disobedience, death and bondage and suffering entered into humanity. In fact, Adam sinned against God. And because of that, there was a curse upon him. And because of that curse, it continued on into every single one of us from this day forward. And, and, And that curse is the curse of sin. And as we talked about earlier, the consequence of that sin is not only physical death, but spiritual death and eternal separation from God. And that's why the cross is so important, because through the cross of Jesus Christ, we are now reconciled back to God in a right relationship with him. But through one man's disobedience, that is Adam in the Garden of Eden, bringing death and bondage through another man, which is an analogy of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, through his life and ministry of obedience, being sinless, being pure, being righteous, and fulfilling the, not only the law of God, but uh, the work of God in salvation. We see Jesus' life brings life and deliverance, and healing, and forgiveness of sin, and reconciliation. And this pattern is offered for us not only in Adam, but in, uh, in nature. We see that Paul talks about how a seed must die in order to bring life. Within the seed, there is the potential of life, but the seed must fall to the ground and die so that a new form of life can happen. And Paul is saying it's very similar to the physical body and the spiritual body. The physical body must die. The Bible says it is appointed once for man to die and then to receive judgment. Our physical bodies uh, are wasting away. They're falling apart. Can I get an amen on that? You've got a lot of achy joints, right, that need a lot of help. And uh, you're feeling it more and more every single day. Our bodies, as Paul said in this, in this letter, our physical bodies, though outwardly, are wasting away through the Spirit. We're being renewed day by day. 
So there is a moaning and a groaning that our bodies do, but there's also a moaning and a groaning that our spirit does, longing and desiring to put off this physical infirmity of the flesh that allows us to function and operate and breathe and live and move within time, space, continuum, within the physical world that God has created. But this is not all that exists. This physical world is not the end. And Paul gives us this wonderful hope at the end of this chapter that we can have holding fast to the resurrection, being proven by his witnesses, having faith in the gospel unto salvation. We now have hope in this life and in the life to come because death has been defeated. That's the message of Easter. Death defeated through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lastly, look at verse 50. We'll read this, and I've read these verses countless times at celebration of life services and funerals and memorial services and churches and chapels and at grave sites um, all over the place. And they give us such wonderful hope and assurance in what Jesus Christ has done for us. Look at verse 50. It says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does, cor- nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. I'm just waiting to hear the trumpet. It wouldn't be really cool just to, <laughs> you're like reading and. <laughs> We're all gone. Yay. Oh, I see an amen on that. Yeah, she's like, let's do this. Ooh, let's go. Oh, what was that? I thought I heard something. Yes, the trumpet, the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. For this corruptible, meaning he's talking about the physical flesh, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Look at we have a connection to the Old Testament prophecies. The scriptures bear out the truth and the reality of the resurrection of the dead. Jesus Christ being the first fruits of the resurrection of the dead. No other person in human history can claim that they've resurrected from the dead, especially those who have started any mainline world religion. You can all visit their tombs and visit their graves and read their last words. It's recorded for us. But Jesus Christ has proven that in the resurrection of the dead. And this victory is given to you and I, verse 56. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But that's a very big transition from verse 56 to 57. And in that small, little, three-letter word is the love of God for you and I. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, there is no other victory that you can have over the grave and over sin. You can't be good enough. You can't do the right things. You can't give enough money. You can't go on enough mission trips. You can't be in enough church services or prayer meetings. You and I can't earn our way into the love of God God has already given that to you and I, so stop trying. Stop working. It's not works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to his mercy 
He has saved us. All of this is possible in what we have read in this chapter. The powerful resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the proposition of new glory and promotion from the grave. That every single one of us is headed towards at one time or another. We do not know the day or the hour. And Paul says, live your life with urgency as he closes this uh, letter to the church in Corinth. Live your life with urgency. Because the return of Christ and death will come suddenly upon people. Quickly. Without notice, we do not and are not guaranteed the next day, the next hour, the next minute. We're all going to get in vehicles and propel ourselves down a freeway with other people in tin cans at however many miles an hour you want to go over the speed limit. We're all in danger. But those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ pass from death to life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. This wonderful hope that God has gone ahead of us to prepare a place for you and I. I guess the question we would need to ask ourselves is, I invite our worship team up to lead us in a closing song. Are you guaranteed your promotion from this life into the next I see many of you, and I know many of you, but I don't presume to know where you're at in your relationship with God. Friends, this isn't about a religion. This isn't about punching a spiritual time card. This isn't about spiritual karma and outweighing the more good that you do in your life than the more bad that you do in your life and putting your eternity in balance Hanging by a thread. Let me encourage you as we sing this song. To place your faith and trust in the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. And maybe you might be thinking about I've already done that Sherwood. And I have an assurance of my salvation. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Now as Paul said. Be who you are. Work more diligently. Pray more fervently. Love more recklessly. Serve more endlessly. And give of your life so that you do cross that grave finish line. Just barely, (laughs) barely making it as Paul the Apostle. Beaten and bruised and battered. But glorifying your Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. With whatever second, whatever time, whatever moment, whatever hour. You and I have been graced to live until that last trumpet. Amen? Amen. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the power of the resurrection, the hope of the gospel, the core of salvation. We hold on fast to this hope today, but we also draw near to you because we thank you that the resurrection is the final victory against humanity's last enemy. And that last enemy is coming for every single one of us. Can't get out of it. There will come a day. It's a day of reckoning day of accounting don't want to be sounding all doom and gloom and fire and brimstone but this is the reality of the scriptures this is the truth and this is what Easter gives us an opportunity to reflect on to make right with God and we make right with God by believing in these three simple things in the grace of God I believe if you have not 
confess this to God. Let me encourage you in the quietness of your own heart. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ was buried in the tomb. And I believe that Jesus Christ rose again the third day, having victory over death and sin. And now I receive that resurrection as well, the power of the gospel. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for walking with me. In a twinkling and in a moment, Lord, we're grateful. New bodies. But that's not the blessing of heaven. That's not the hope of the next resurrection. That where I am, there you may be also. Friend, would you secure your place in the presence of Jesus when you pass from this life into the next? We love you, God. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus, please email us at info at questsd.com. We'd love to hear from you. God bless you.